At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Alan Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Tyler Cornack. Hello, Tyler. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely my pleasure, my pleasure. As we were just discussing um, before we started, and I'm sure your brain's going, which bit were we just discussing is he going to mention? Um, the world premiere of your film, Book Boy, was uh, Fantastic Fest 2019, yeah? Mm-hmm, yes, 2019, and it feels... Yeah, it feels like it was yesterday still. It's crazy to even say that. But How many people did you hug and warmly greet at Fantastic Fest? Just, just, to, just, to, just to make us feel better about what the human race should be like. <laughs> a lot, a lot. I don't have a number. Um, but those were the days. You could go to a theater and brush shoulders and uh, order popcorn and talk to people and get drunk even. Indeed, indeed. Now you now you make a beeline away from any stranger approaching, and nobody thinks it's rude anymore. No, which I have different opinions about. <laughs> Sometimes I kind of like that, but <laughs> we're only human. We will get selfish yeah. at some point. The guy said I've been quarantining for ten years, so yeah, I'm, 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 I write, so it's like you know, apart from the the trips to the shops for the just in time method of cooking, it's yeah. It's it's not a lot of difference in some senses. <laughs> I think the existential crisis of not knowing when it ends. I think that's what most most people I talk to, who yeah. uh, who have concerns, is not so much it itself. It's that it might never end. Is the is the horrible fear that grips you? It's a part of our life now. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but boy has got a UK release now, after its successful yeah. uh, festival trip and everything. So do you want to tell us when and how people can see Book Boy? Yeah, so um, I don't know if the Blu-ray is out there, but it's on <clears throat> it's on uh, Amazon, iTunes, uh, Fandango, PlayStation, Xbox, all of those, and I think that that goes the same for England. And uh, yeah, and then you can rent the Blu-ray if you go to uh, I don't even know where what the site is actually, but those are the sites you can rent it on, and you can check it all out on those sites. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, to make people do that, do you want to give us a brief synopsis to what Book Boy is all about? Yeah, I mean, you think I'd be getting better at this, but it's a, it's a, uh, it's a strange movie. It's not for everybody, but if you like strange uh, thriller, dark thriller, sci-fi's, it's for you. Uh, it's about a guy who's kind of living 
a very mundane life, a life you've seen before on screen. It's like a, a very cliched down and out guy. He has a, a a horrible job that he's stuck in a nine to five in an office environment that's not great. And <clears throat> he goes to get his first prostate exam. And in the process, he sort of discovers uh, that he enjoys the sensation of something being inserted into his butt. So that kind of consumes his life and it becomes uh it becomes like any other drug like heroin and uh like you know he just starts to things in his his home start to go to disappear and up to his dog leading into human things and it just spirals out of control but um obviously it's a comedy but it plays itself straight all the way through so we we handled it like it was a um a real crime thriller and it was a mashup of all these uh, different genres, and we paid homage to all these different genres in the process. And uh, yeah, if you're into grimy, pulpy, you know, uh, raunchy films from the '80s and '70s, and um, and dumb comedies, this is for you, I guess. So that's a hell of a hell of a sales pitch. <laughs> um, uh, of of recent year, of recent years, a sort of. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess. It's safe to say, given what you've already said, there's 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 a hell of an absurdist element to this. Um, yes. In, and, and if anybody might have seen something like, I don't know, 2016's Greasy Strangler, then you'd be quite mm -hmm. comfortable with what Book Boy does. Yeah. But if you're yeah. if you're running out every every week to see the latest Blumhouse horror because you want to be made to jump, this might not be what you're expecting from a from a genre film. Yeah, you know, it's neat. Yeah, exactly. And I think just an open mind is key. I think not knowing a lot about it is kind of, from what I've heard from people, is kind of the best way to go into it, not knowing what to expect. And I know that's a tall demand. Yeah, it is, it is when you're about to start, start talking about it on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, I, I mean, I'm still going to say everything here, but just, you know, if you start to get sick of my voice on here, go watch it and. And then come back and finish. No, I, I, I can as as a viewer, I can echo that. I mean, I mean, when I saw the title, I didn't think I really needed to see anything else to know what I was, what, what I might, I might not be getting into. And right. it was, it was, it's, it's a surprise. The how straight you play it. That's what that's what yeah, I'd say. Yeah. You, 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 you take a really huge concept, which is laugh out loud, and is arguably mm -hmm. what a two minute gag. And then you use yeah. that to tell a much bigger story, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it doesn't. And, and that that kind of simplicity of the original gag never really detracts from it. In fact, like our, like our understanding of what's going on, it just grows and grows. So I think it's it's um, it's on the uh, it, 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 it it's very confident about what it's doing, and it does it confidently. If that makes sense, oh, okay. certainly that was my view of it anyway. Well, thank you. It, yeah, it has to be confident in our eyes, because <laughs> uh, if it wasn't, then you know, you can feel all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't know. The idea too was just to make something, uh, you know, to make something a little bit different in the in the comedy, you know, eye of things. We yeah yeah. I've we done, have I mean, a very for example high... for example Tyler. I've just watched um, Tone Deaf, which I don't think I've seen that. Which is you know. Which is which is having a go at both millennials and boomers. 
it's having its cake mm. and it's eating it. It's quite quite brilliant how he does it, uh, Richard uh, Bates. Um, but there's moments in that, and well, lots of moments in that, where what you expect might happen and where you expect it might go, it gleefully doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and and like your film, it doesn't ever play the laughs for laugh out loud, but you can have a laugh out loud laugh if you want. That's right, you're perfect, exactly. You're perfectly at, at liberty to do that. Just, I mean, much like... Um, Oh, what was the other one? The other one where there's there's a where humour goes dark. I mean, loads of them. But recently, yeah, come to Daddy and Anthony Timpson's director. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of dark world in that, but it still makes you laugh out loud when you if you want to. Yeah, exactly. And in in this movie too, it, it, there's always this reminder that when you watch it, that you you kind of there's moments where you can forget what it's about, which was kind of the goal. Where you're like, oh. You have to remind yourself. Oh yeah, this is about a guy putting stuff up his butt. You know. I was going to say because want... in a sense that that level of that that kind of absurdity which exists in which which were which were which is much easier to describe in I don't know in the fine art circles where mm-hmm. you can say look at say Duchamp's urinal and then be reminded that you're actually looking at urinal not not just a work of art and you kind of get yeah. a bit confused as yeah. to what you're meant to feel about that. Right. Exactly. And uh, that was that was in design from the beginning. That's what we wanted it to be. So we're glad that we heard that from at least some people, you know. So good. Now look, uh, um, I was watching a lecture from um, Stephen King, and he was describing how ideas are formed. And in it, he described a wonderful story of an old motorbike he had that was knackered, and he had to go and get it fixed at a rural outpost where it was cheap and he could afford to get his bike fixed. And as he zoomed up the the sort of approach road to this 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 way off way off the beaten track mechanics place a saint bernard run out and started barking at him and you can imagine what that led to uh the yeah. creation of um, that's yeah that's so stephen king too i, I mean <laughs> it's whether it, i mean whether it's true or not doesn't matter but it but it, it fits it fits a strong narrative doesn't it but what what, what i can lit you can we can all anyone that's a fan of his work that knows cujo will be able to see where he took that moment and he turned it into a into a book and became a very successful movie. Yeah. So my friend's dad was in Cujo, by the way. Oh wow. Yeah, he was the guy in it. It's one of the only movies he ever did. But anyways, I don't know why I'm saying that. But well, I'm talking about Cujo, so it's a good problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but thinking thinking of that story of how he he formulate how he came at the inspiration for the idea of a rabid Saint Bernard, which uh-huh. isn't obvious. Um, because they're not they're not exactly known for being vicious. Um, <laughs> where where does where does the kernel of an idea for Book Boy start for you? Where did where did you begin to go? Hold on a minute, I've got some here. Well, you know, it's not one of those ideas you're losing sleep over and you're living and dying by. You know, <laughs> it was it, we were working on a lot. I was working on two other screenplays at the time and writing other stuff. Um, but the birth of it, we have a we're a comedy group. We have a comedy group here, and uh, what's the comedy group called? Uh, Tiny Cinema. It's the name of the production company. But you can you can look us up. Uh, weirdly, Instagram is our biggest following, but we do little one minute sketches, and um, they're more on the nose humor. That's kind of where our whole background comes from. But they're they're handled with uh, a cinematic intent always it's always it's always about it looking like a movie first so the idea of tiny cinema was originally to make it look like it's a little movie every week on your phone you get a one minute 
little film and we compact all this information into one minute and it's like this create it'll be these crazy little stories uh but boy was one of those so we we had it it was a, originally a one minute sketch so it was funny when you said it's a two minute bit uh i was gonna say it was even a one minute bit but <laughs> uh, but uh we we started talking about we were working on other screenplays more down the line and centered you know uh, classic stuff uh, as far as material goes. And then this kind of came about with one of the guys I do the sketch with. And yeah, it just kind of clicked. And we knew that um, we had some success with the short online. Um, and we knew that people would, you know, a certain kind of people would understand the humor of it. And it also set up the rhythm of, of the bit of basically, you know, the rhythm in the beginning when he looks at one object and it leads to another and you know that that next thing is going to go missing. That all comes from the short. So, and then we just added on all this backstory to it, almost in a cliche sense, because we thought it would be funny to, like I was saying, you've seen that set up with the guy in the office before that hates his life and hates his job. We wanted, we wanted there to be tropes that you felt somewhat familiar with, so it wasn't completely out there the entire time and um it was also just to pay love to those kind of movies so the office or the diner scene with that was kind of an homage to like the like a joke version of the heat of heat in a way uh any camp that you know you know all that stuff where you're like oh i've been here before in a movie but wait this movie's about something out there that i can't even comprehend so yeah, that was kind of the idea, and it just snowballed from there. It was very simple to write. We, the words were never poetry, as you can imagine. I mean, so many people didn't get past the title page. And look, I'm a writer myself, so it was kind of interesting for me to, um, for me to write something. I don't want to say dumbed down, but uh, you never quite feel comfortable and whole when you write an idea like this. You're never like, you know, this isn't this isn't a piece of poetry I want to send to everybody in my group of friends to check out. But, you know, it was a high concept thing. I was very excited to direct it because, um, you know, directing something like this is just weird and out there. And I wanted it, you know, it's always exciting to do something that's weird and, um, and scary too. It's still scary to this day because it's such a split opinion, which we knew it was going to be a split opinion down the middle, but, and it's been great to see the people who, who love the movie. It's been amazing. And I'm so grateful for it but there's some people that just don't get it and it's over their head and I, I don't want to sound like a cliche or like you know a person that says things like that but um you know it really is one of those movies which I'm happy with as a, as a directing point of view goes but um but yeah well, yeah no, I know I totally I, I totally appreciate what you're saying and I think sometimes there is there is a, there is a um, there is a happiness for as a, as a punter watching a film to feel like you're trying to be as clever as the filmmaker, you know, or if you or if you don't feel as clever as them and you're trying to play catch up, there's there's a lot of fun to be had there because that's that can be interesting. Equally, that can be annoying and it'll turn mm -hmm. you off as much as it'll turn you on. I mean, I'm in right. the, I'm in the former camp where I'm like, the fucking hell is he playing at here? And yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, and that kept me going, you know. In in, in I mean, the straighter films that have equally split opinion, I think of th films like Only God Forgives or even Ridley Scott's The Counselor. These are two of my favorites, but people actively hate them, and I'm like, "What? You, what? What? You, what? You're not getting?" I love both of those. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? I've, there's a just as an aside here I, I, with with my kind of 
obsession, certainly with those two, in in sort of polite conversation with other film fans, is that there's a there seems to be like a review a review, um, what's called it profile. So both those movies, if you go to Amazon remo- re- reviews, have twenty five percent five star reviews, and about forty really? percent one star reviews. Both of them. Wow. Wow. And I think it speaks to a kind of because we, you know, we live in. I mean, I, I, I never thought of going here before, but you know, we live we live in a world where everything's either we either hate it or we love it. We there's no way of measuring on a scale of one to five. I found that interesting, and it hurt my head. Right. Right. Exactly. And I always, you know, John Cassavetes always used to talk about that. And you can say what you want about John Cassavetes' work. I guess it's very. That's a, another split thing. But I was always a fan of his. Um, his mentality, his his group mentality here in Hollywood. You know, he was like a, he was a New York East Coast guy, but he he brought the the working class filmmaker here and kind of was, invented our version of of guerrilla filmmaking. Of you go out with a group of friends, you get you get a camera and you make movies and you make the kind of movies you want to make, not the kind of thing. He always used to say, when people get uncomfortable by what they're seeing on screen they turn away from it and they go, no, 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 don't show me this. And he was all about doing that. Not, not intentionally, but just showing, you know, as you know, if you've seen his movies, he shows the human side of things like humanity comes first, but, and, you know, some people like that and some people don't, but just his sort of mindset of community and making, uh, making things that people, you know, not to be obnoxious about it or pretentious in any way, but just to kind of turn things and, make people turn their heads a little bit more and making people feel uncomfortable in a good artistic way, you know? Well, um, I mean, look, looking into, seeing yourself in the mirror while you're watching a film is never a comfortable experience, but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's part of the journey of any yeah. kind of sort of experience with art. And, you know, and you don't always repeat it. You might, you might go, it's, it's this thing about once is enough. You know, we live in a world where people watch, I don't know, Star Wars 85 times. And I'm like, I'm sure it's fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, is it though? Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, I did that when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, I had those movies, but I grew out of that pretty quickly. There's um, yeah, there's there's something about a visceral, what getting a visceral reaction to a film. I mean, obviously, two two sort of enfant terribles of of the European scene would be Lars von Trier or Gaspar Noé in, mm-hmm. in present day, who who yeah. go somewhere that people don't like to go, and that's and it's not. And again, I don't think it's a problem that people don't. It's not. It's not about everyone. You know, not everybody put on Fugazi or Minor Threat when they when they wanted to chill out, but lots of people did. Right, exactly, exactly. So and there's something to be said about that, but I there is another side of it because I love, you know, I love Spielberg too, hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm all over the place, but it, it becomes scary. It becomes there's moments where it's kind of it becomes its own rush, like you know, when you create something that's a little bit left and out there, it sounds good. From a dis, it sounds cool in a way to do. Like you're like, oh, that would be, you know. I look up to the directors that are like that. Hmm. But once you're sitting in the theater full of people, it becomes something else. It becomes a different monster altogether. So oh, I'm sure I, 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 I can't imagine because you're you're you you know I guess you know the nuts and bolts. You know where you're, you know what you're doing. You knew you know where you're taking a chance. But ultimately, right. you want to progress, don't you? So there's 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 a human nature that says. At least enough people validate me, so I can, yeah. you know. Exactly. And that's not a, that's not a, like a kind of, you know, a cry for help. It's like it is it is for sharing, isn't it? At the end of the day. 
Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what the fuck did I do? (laughs) (laughs) So when when you were writing this then and you were taking what ostensibly was was um, was a one minute film clip, which I don't know if you know, have you seen the Barbarian Sound Studio? No, the um, God, my mind's gone blank now. Uh, That started off life as a 60 second short. Really? Yeah, and it's interesting. And then, and, you know, until you said it, I'd not made the comparison. I mean, in 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 the uh, in the film, it's about a um, Peter Strickland. My word, there we go. The director's Peter Strickland. <laughs> and in the in the feature film, the 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 main character played by Toby Jones is this famous foley artist who goes to Italy and puts sound effects over giallo movies in Italy. Okay, and it sounds like um, it sounds like. Blow out a little bit. Well, it's as he does it, he begins to become Italian, is all I can say to you. What? So he becomes like a part of the film that he's making the sound of. So he loses he loses oh, himself right. in I'm the process of being a Foley artist on a film. That's the feature. I'm, I'm gonna love that. <laughs> right. But the short yeah. is just of two guys doing Foley, like chopping up the cabbage and whatever as crack as they can. Like it's some hilarious carnival act. Yeah, and I mean, it's amazing to think that leap from the sixty-second short to the feature is is somehow related. Yeah, I mean, they probably just expanded it, though, right? They probably just talked about it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking that you know, I, I yeah. wouldn't have known that without talking to you about, about your about your journey too. That so great. when you when you were distilling the idea and expanding it um, into what would become a feature, because no matter how you, you try and do it, there's still got to be a However, however, however existential you might want to go with it, there is still an element for an audience. There's, there's still very much an element in your story which is beginning, middle, and end. This isn't you haven't done an esoteric film that that, that throws narrative out the window. It definitely is a story. Right. Um, right. So in that sense, what what were what were the story challenges for you, knowing obviously the inherent humour in the idea, but also mm-hmm. the story you were also beginning to see emerge from the writing of it. Well, we knew that it was going to end where it ends. We knew we were going to take it there, so that was a big okay. thing. So it was kind of, it was kind of filling in, because um, we were going to extend the short and make like an online series about it mm-hmm. for a while, um, and it ended kind of the same way. But then we started to talk about the detective. But uh, you know, we knew that actor who played the detective, and we kind of wrote the role for him. So. It was about just incorporating, you know, starting with the antagonist was interesting to me, like, you know, showing his life and understanding why he does what he does. And then, you know, 15 minutes into the movie, let's show you kind of the lead character. And that way you have this weird thing where you're not sure who you're rooting for in a cool way, I think. I mean, maybe some people are uncomfortable by it, but um, I I think that uh, it was an interesting way to do it. So that was, that was there. And then in the middle, we just kind of filled in the blanks and... Again, uh, a big part of the writing too was it's a we treated it like a drug movie in a way, so it was like you know showing addiction, um, you know not taking it too seriously, but also letting people know we kind of know what we're doing hmm. um, with that genre, and you know we're not just it's not a, a, a slapstick version of of that, and um, and yeah, it was just all of that stuff, and just having them meet in the middle. Uh, going back to his work, like we cut a lot of the, the, the script was way longer. We cut a lot out in the editing. Um, we cut out maybe five scenes cause a lot of them were too funny and, uh, just didn't stay true to the bit. I think they were almost insecure 
through filming is like, oh, this has to be funnier. So we would shoot these scenes and then on the editing, it's like, no, the whole point of this was to see how straight we could take it. So Okay, uh, so that was something so when you got when you got it into the edit, you began to see how how effective playing it not yeah. for big laughs were. Yeah, it would it would almost be like when we would insert a funnier on the nose, obvious humor kind of scene, it would take you out of the story you were just watching. Mm. So you would be like, oh, they're being too goofy and too playful. So it was about finding a balance. The editing was all a balancing act. And it was like just about, at the end of the day, it was about just staying as true as you can to, this is just a story. And nobody knows how, in this world, nobody understands how ridiculous or thinks this is that ridiculous. The characters in it aren't playing it like, you know, they're playing it like it is anything else. Yeah, you 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 play. I mean, so you play the the the, the lead role. In, well, I suppose it, the 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 man with the affliction, should I say? I guess mm-hmm. I guess you're you're you share the lead with your detective Oppo. Um, mm-hmm. So in that sense, there's you talked about other films that you see, and one one film that that that, that stands that's, that 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 seems to that, I'm speaking joined up sentences in a minute. <laughs> a, film, a film that seemed apparent in certainly the setup of the movie, uh, with the AA and the and the and the desk jockey type of thing is is Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Um, is, yeah. is certainly images that that we're being presented with, and in in a, in, a, in a past life, I've I've been a uh, I used to be what you what, what what the corporate world calls an internal communication manager. Uh-huh. Uh, corporate communications yeah. to the staff. And uh, your your bot, I mean, and I've I've been for jobs before where I remember being sat in reception and Sonic Youth was playing on the stereo, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a cool place to work. And then I peered in the window while I was waiting for the interview, and people stood on chairs chanting before they went out to sell. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then I watch yeah. your film, and I go, yeah, this is not this is not so unusual because I'm guessing no. those elements I mean, it, they're coming from real real things that you've you've seen and experienced yeah and i honestly i've never had a, a a job quite like that but um i got that idea from a youtube video mm. called we we are walmart it's called okay it's a walmart manager literally doing a very similar chant to that in fact the one in reality is way more ridiculous than what we did in the movie <laughs> there's multiple verses and choruses and uh if you're not doing it, he's on your ass about it. And it was just hilarious to me. So I was like, we just start, if you start the movie with that, you're in, you're, you understand this office in full, I think. Yeah. And so. I think, I think it's, it's almost like a safe weather vein, isn't it? To say everyone that knows that this is absurd for how people go about their days, days work will be fine with the rest of the film. Exactly. Exactly. That was it. <laughs> and that's very, it's, it's brilliantly grounded in reality. Um, reminded me a lot of that. Have you ever seen the um, the the? I think it's like a Christian gift shop doing their rap to Jesus or something. It's that kind of lack of personal awareness. I watch cringe things as much as I can. So, um, with you, with uh, your detective character, who is um, what Chip is Chip, the character you play is 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 the detective's sponsor, isn't it? In um, at the AA yeah. meetings. Yeah. Small town. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, did, did was it was it just for Tyler's the lead roles? Was that was that part of the? Well, I don't know. I I've known him for a long time. We just both happen to be named Tyler, so <laughs> I don't, it just happens, you know. 
Our mothers had the same taste. Indeed, indeed. And um, but 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 that character it's really interesting because outside of obviously what's happening to Chip, which is the character you're playing, Mr. Book Boy, Detective mm -hmm. Fox's character, he's on the mission, isn't he? Because at the center of this story is a missing child. Yeah, he's on the mission. And uh you know, that was tropey too for us. That's another character you've seen a million times. And we played into that too. I mean, mm. Tyler kind of brought his own element, but even down to the squints and everything, you know, it was uh, a hybrid, a culmination of things we like from Columbo to, uh, you know, to Heat, like I mentioned before, mm. um, a bunch of different old detective, older detective stuff. We were, um, you know, even Lethal Weapon a little bit and um, Die Hard, got a little bit of John McClane in there. Uh, yeah, all that stuff we talked about quite a bit beforehand and um we thought it would be interesting to have a more human character like my guy who's kind of you know the down and out hmm. schlubby one-dimensional character bouncing off more of a cartoonish detective you've seen they would complement each other well and even though they and they would have nothing in common naturally so um we tried to make it seem like we had absolutely nothing in common but uh but yeah that was kind of the thought process behind him now, when when we when we enter um, the hell of Chip's inner body, mm -hmm. on the page versus production, how how are you beginning to visualize it on the page? And well, that was hard. I mean, you got to keep in mind we barely had any money to to make this, so yeah. that was a huge that was a huge challenge. It was scary. It was scary all the way through. It was scary to shoot it because I was like, is this? You're really going to have to suspend your belief, and you do. You still do, but. Mm. Um, there's a movie called that I saw when I was freaking out about it all, um, from 1984, I think it's called, uh, God, what was it called? It's about, it's, a, it's, a, it's like during where, you know, reanimator, did you ever see the, the cult movie reanimator? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It was, it was right around that time. And it was, um, a very similar, a very similar film. I forget what it's called, but anyways, the end of it, um, it'll come to me in a second, but the end of it, they kind of go to that same place where the movie starts as one thing and then they, it's a big, crazy third act. And I, I remember seeing that and loving it. I was like, Oh, that's what we can do. We can just camp it up a little bit and make it and make it, uh, you know, let's just shock everybody. And if you're in, you're in, you're going to stay. If you're out. All right. See ya. But you should be in because you're watching a movie about what it's about. So hopefully you're in, you're going to be wanting that big change in the end. I'm always a big fan of it. Uh, and yeah, we shot that at the Bronson Bat Caves here in Hollywood. That was, it's like an old historic landmark where the old um, Adam West Batman series was shot, and okay. it was just, it was a really great shoot. I, we couldn't even afford a fire marshal to be there, which you have to have if you have any electricity going on a generator. So um, all the lighting you see there is all powered, solar powered, and battery powered. And we shot. Oh, wow. We had this. Um, you know, we had, we would swap out lights and they had this crazy system to keep the lighting going. And, uh, we would be up there from 5 PM to 5 AM. I think it was four or five nights. And then, um, it was a, it was a great shoot. It, it was, it was really fun, but it was grueling. And in the heart of summer, it was 115 degrees. So all the sweat you see there is real. And so um, by what you're describing, I mean, I, 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 I kind of fully appreciate that 
that human and financial resources will be constrained and, and, and finite. But but in yeah. terms of the what you put on the page and what you were able to achieve, was was it a case of on the page you were like, well, we'll have to deal with it. It's a place that has to be not of this world, and that's about all I need to know on the page. So you're you're yeah. writing this and you're no, producing. Close. We wrote we wrote it like that. I think we wrote the whole screenplay with locations in mind because okay. of our budget. So we knew we're going to shoot this there. Got you. But it was about building it and lighting it. And that was very a fourth quarter plan. It was a Hail Mary. <laughs> I was like, you know, originally I was going to make it blue and uh, a dark and landing on the color red and all that stuff was very much like we, we had access to go there before, but um, it was during the day. So I never got to see it for night when we were going to be shooting because it closes down at night and they were opening for us to shoot. So it was scary. I never got like a lighting test at night to see what it was going to look like. So it was just kind of like, okay, I think this is going to work. And uh, yeah, we showed up and we did it. And yeah. It reminds. It. I tell you, I think you, when you talk about eighties movies and that sort of sort of left turn final act, as it were, there's um, one that struck. One, one I made a note of when I was watching was uh, was obviously the original Phantasm. Oh yeah, totally, totally. With, which you know is it exists you know in one plane, and then, for reasons it has to, it goes to a very different plane, which is exactly where, exactly what you do with your movie. Yeah, I always love that, especially when you're dealing in like the B B or C genre, movie, which we were also trying to, we were trying to make it feel like a B movie in a lot of ways, and um, but also have a different awareness that B movies have of of uh just cinema in general I think and um and yeah I I love turns like that I know it's not you know sometimes it's not for everybody but I personally love that I I always love when you have a wild especially with a wild concept like this that uh first of all I'm just a fan of big third acts I just Mm. love a big third act but um Anything wild like this, when you take it to that next level of wild, I always enjoy that when I'm watching a movie. So, yeah, that was kind of the idea. Same with all the guys I made it with. They're all big fans of that kind of stuff. So um, we just went as campy as we could, I guess, and hope for the best. Now, with a title like Butt Boy, was that the name of the short, the original short as well? Yeah, that was the name of the short. And um, when we were doing the movie, it was kind of... It's weird. When you see our tiny cinema page, I think you'll have a, under, a better understanding of the title. But um, Yeah, no, oh, wanted... it's, it's not so much a, a, a do or a don't. It's more the fact that as 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 it morphed into this this feature film, which has obviously Ooh. got a lot more nuance to it than, than the gag you would have told in 60 seconds. Right, right. How tempting was it to lose the book by title and go with something? Well, I, the, guy, the guy I wrote it with and I were very adamant about not doing that because we thought that you know first of all it's created us a lot of buzz Mm. it's it's really helped the film this size uh love it or hate it people you know it was being talked about quite a bit you know Mm. after the release and at the festival people were like what the hell is that let's just go check it out so uh it had that effect to it but beyond that we wanted it to be that the title because it's playing straight it was almost a reminder to let everybody know that this is a stupid comedy in our eyes. This is, it, although it's different and it's handled with care and you're going to have a different experience, like, that was the joke to us. Like, at the end of the day, we, we, we kept saying, you know, this is like the most expensive farting joke ever told. 
and that's and that's what it is. It reminds me of like a Norm Macdonald joke, you know. It just keeps going and going and going, and there's the dumbest punchline at the end, um, where you know ultimately you know where it goes, and that's what we that's what we were you know, honestly that's the way we looked at the movie. That's all it was. Like there's so many things in there that we we pay homage to and like, you know, we love films, we love drama, we love horror, we love all those things. And I think all those things are in there, but on the surface, that's the way we looked at it. And that's what it is to us. So keeping the title that was just letting everybody know, Hey, this is called butt boy. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. I just, I, it's, it's, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah. So in terms of those, in terms of those, um, there's the more obtuse references that might be in there. Do you want to give do you want to give the listener maybe a couple of Easter eggs to look out for that aren't too spoilery? Yeah, I mean, there's a really if you ever go back and watch again, there's a really spoily uh, Easter egg in the beginning that foreshadows the end. That's really on the nose. Oh, really? Yeah, that people don't realize. Uh, I don't know if I should say. It. I guess it doesn't matter, but um, no, that's enough. Don't it, don't it, give it away. It, I, I mean, I'll go back and look, but but yeah. Um, but in, in terms of film references, what 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 were some of the film references you've you've kind of enjoyed enjoyed using that, that you paid homage were, to? No, that, uh, none of them were like direct direct steals where it was like a shot for shot, but it was just more so hybriding all these different things. You know, mm. uh, it, it, there's so many different ones. I mean, in the office, we talked about office space quite a bit. We talked about Fight Club a lot visually with Fight Club. Uh, uh, the diner again was a heat. You know, Michael Mann was referenced a lot. Uh, it's all over the place. I'm trying to think of the name of that that film um, with the with the crazy ending because you should check it out if you're into Reanimator and all that stuff. Mm. Um, Stuart Gordon was my directing teacher, actually, the guy who made and wrote Reanimator. Oh wow! And uh, and he uh, he just passed away. I w- I really wanted him to see Butt Boy because I think he would have been into it, but. Um, he just passed away a few months ago, which I was sad to see. But, yeah, that's very sad. Um, let's see. I, I, it was all over the place, really. I mean, we broke down. There were scenes where I was referencing Catch Me If You Can, even. I mean, it was all over the place. And uh, But that's kind of what the movie is to us. Like, when we look back, when we look at it, you know, we it's really paying homage to a lot of different things that we love. And we wanted it to feel bigger than it was. Mm. So we used a lot of different locations. It jumps around to quite a few locations, considering you know it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar film. So, uh, we wanted it to, we wanted it to feel like a bunch of movies you have seen, and uh, also just be something you've never seen at the same time. So, what would be uh, in terms of the, in terms of the positive responses to guess? What's been some of the? Uh, what's been some of your favorite observations made about the film? There's been so many things that we that we said while writing and making it and editing it and um, things that we never thought people would say. And they've said them like, for instance, um, just when people go on the, the exact journey that we wanted to, like when people say, you know, I have to remind myself halfway through, uh, I was watching a movie, like, you know, I was watching a movie about a guy putting things up his butt and going out that journey. We really love that people love the third act. You know, when people really dive into that and they love that we went there, mm. um, those are always the kind of movies that I would applaud going there and uh, getting all that. And then just the acting and directing comp, you know, it's been people have really, really 
enjoyed it almost more so than I thought they were going to, um, which is great. It's been a great thing. You know, I don't really have tabs of direct quotes or anything. But no, 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 that's cool. No, I just, I guess, I guess this all supports your kind of want to stay with the title, but boy, it's like you're not, you've not, you've not gone ahead and made something and then tried to pretend you've not. It's always been right, this. Right. It's, it's, it was born out well, of that. Exactly. That's it. And that's to let people know this wasn't a big mistake where we, yes. <laughs> we missed the mark. This was very intentional and everything you're feeling was intentional. And it was. And it's great to see that that worked uh, for for some people, at least, you know, well, uh, and well, the people we wanted it to work with. That's been the other thing. All the fam. We've had a bunch of reviews online and it's the it's our people, you know, hmm. it's our people. that uh, The people that we wanted it to get it and go through it have really, it's been those people and that's been great. It's, there's no better feeling really. So. And, and, um, how, how was the experience directing yourself for a feature film? It, it sucked. <laughs> it was, I, I, I don't think I'll ever do that again. Um, I just did it. I, I don't, I'm not an actor really. I, I played the guy in the short because we're like a comedy group, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it just made sense. Um, you know, I didn't, I don't remember acting that much in it, to be honest. I really don't. I was so focused on directing and we rehearsed it a lot beforehand, but it was such a one note numb kind of guy that I just kind of, you know, I don't remember it if I'm honest. And I, I just remember being stressed about it. And I, I remember thinking every time I'm focusing in on this acting thing, I'm taking away from the directing and that, that freaked me out a lot. So um, I think I put way more into the directing, but you know, it's a, it was a lesson learned and I am glad I did it at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm really glad I did it, at least for the first film, but I'm not like a, I'm not a person who likes, I don't enjoy seeing myself or hearing my voice. I don't like any of that. So how, how did just... you, how do you begin to sort of judge a performance when you're in it? You know, like if, if there's obviously more than you in the scene, um, I would just, I don't know. I think I just kind of understood it. Like I was just like, this is who this person is and mm. it was based on the the short and it was a quiet role and it, it was almost like i just wanted to, i just did what i would want to see from a directing point of view you know what i mean okay. it wasn't about me as a person it was like what does my directing self want to see from this role this is the way you should play it and it felt like that i was never in it you know it was very much like that sounds horrible to say but where tyler rice is the opposite he's he's awesome in it and really goes but it was more so i did what i wanted myself to do from a directing point of view so well with that in mind then with tyler, with tyler rice playing that role obviously there's conversation between the pair about what you want and what he can do and stuff but in in the in the in the performance overall what what did anything did what if at all did he bring to the role that completely sort of opened your eyes to who detective russell to detective fox could be well, we really rehearsed quite a bit because I had a direct. So all those surprises, um, in fact, if anybody does get the Blu-ray, there's there's rehearsals on there from the beginning. Oh, fantastic! And it's kind of it's kind of going, and then you see it side by side with the real scene. But you you'll see where he was angling it from, and it's completely a different character than what is in the movie. So he's still finding it, and this is again just to my mindset. I knew what my directing mind wanted to see. My me in the rehearsal is exactly the same as the movie. <laughs> in other words, I knew up front. I wasn't digging that far. It was like, all right, whatever. So that's all in there, and you can watch all that. But um, it was in rehearsals where the surprises came. You know, he would be, he would do one thing, and we'd be like, duh, that was good. And I would film all of them. So 
uh, I would film just for editing too, to, to kind of get the rhythm down of how the edit would look and um, just to be as prepared as possible. So what, what were your conversations like with uh, William Marine about the look and feel of it? I mean, you've mentioned quite a lot of sort of film, you know, film references that you live and breathe and stuff. But yeah. I mean, look, of... I'm, I'm a very visual person. So shooting is like my favorite part of it. So I actually was able, um, I brought a lot of storyboards of how I wanted to look and feel. Mm -hmm. And he was on board. He loves all those different movies. So him and Joel LaVold is another guy who worked in the camera very close to, uh, to Bill Mm -hmm. William. Um, They just kind of, it was, it was great because I would have a booklet of my shots uh, that I took still photography for. So I had access to all the locations beforehand and I would go in uh, with one of the producers and the guy I wrote it with, and they would sit in for every character in the movie. And I, I had to still photo for every frame of the movie. And uh, I printed them out on these sticky pieces of paper, and it was a whole binder full of images for my storyboards. So that was also for me because I was acting in it. It mm. was to feel as secure as I could. So it was nice to have on set because I would just show to the crew and actors, um, you know, this is going to be the next thing. And then... Bill would come in with new ideas to make it better. Like some, a lot of stuff would change once you're there because you're there and you can just get something better. But, um, but that's kind of how it went. It was all kind of done beforehand and that made my life easier there, you know? And in terms of, in terms of, um, the, the, the challenges that were there on the page and in your storyboard, what, what do you remember as being a kind, a kind of, uh, a huge achievement when you got whatever it was you had to get in the can when, you know, in the days running up to it or the weeks before the shoot, yeah, you, I was, you were coming, there was a certain pinch point where you're going, this is going to be hard. What was, what was that? Um, the cave, the cave was really hard because mm. we had children there and it was so late at night and hot and uh, it was just a long, tedious thing. And I, the great, thankfully I wasn't in any of those scenes, mm. uh, but it was just a very long a long, uh, but great experience. I mean, the whole thing was great and it, it went rather smoothly. It was like a very, um, I, it was a very smooth operation. Everybody who worked on the film was amazing and we had so much fun making it. It felt like summer camp in a way. It felt like we were all in camp. I guess it's cause we made it in the summer too, but it was, uh, you know, it was great. It was a great experience. So filmmaking as a holiday romance. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to look at it that way, in my opinion. I think if you can't enjoy it in that way, then you shouldn't be doing it, I think. Yeah, what's the point? What are you doing? <laughs> and just thinking of, um, given we're in lockdown at the moment and the challenges you know, that might be ahead of us with with a kind of new normal to filmmaking, and I, was, I, I don't know if you tuned into um, Todd Brown and Brendan McCarthy talking it... Uh, the mm-hmm. European Film Festival yesterday talking about what will be the challenges. But what what do, what do you see as being some of the challenges for yourself trying to get movies made in the in the current climate? Well, I think there's so much uncertainty that it's hard for anybody to say exactly what that's going to be. I mean, I can just speak on I can I know the challenges that already exist just from having friends here in the industry mm. that all lost their jobs, you know, oh, and wow, yeah. uh, not knowing where not knowing the projects that were set for a year and a half down the line have all been pulled because the banks aren't loaning that out. Nobody knows what's going on. So 
you know, I can only hope that it all goes back to normal and people are looking for for content and independent movies to continue to be made. And I hope there's not too many Corona scripts. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, interestingly, of, of that panel, there was Brian Usner was on there as well. It obviously brings us full circle on this conversation. He he um, he actually, I guess, lent the most optimistic because he said, you know, when I started out in the 80s, we didn't even have genre film festivals to showcase work. So the it's idea true. that there's been a, a, a sort of hiccup in the in the through line of that happening for films and he said, you know, we will adapt, there will be there will he, he gave it he gave a kind of optimistic spin to it, I think. And it was it felt it felt good hearing that that, you know, it was different before, it can be different again, it, but it still means we can go forward and make interesting indie indie films. Well I, I think like weirdly independent filmmakers might be impacted the well, at first maybe it'll be tougher, but you know all the even the bigger studio stuff, those the you know that's they're all screwed too. Well, look, congratulations on Butt Boy. It's thank you. It's a triumph in my eyes for sure. Oh, good. Anything that can um, anything that incites the spirit of Reanimator or Phantasm is always going to be good in my eyes. Oh, great. <laughs> Just let's remind people then: how can they see the film? How can they see Butt Boy? Um, iTunes, Amazon, Fandango, uh, PlayStation. Xbox, uh, on all of those everywhere but Netflix, basically. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So, but yeah, the general VOD, the VOD market platforms, they're all going to be. VOD, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, look, just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast. Thank you. This was so fun. You're really funny, too. <laughs> Alan Parker said. Sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.